The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Hi everyone and thank you for listening to another show of Mind Radio. Uh, today's show, we have a guest named Joe Cowley, who is the president of the Center for Alcohol and Drug Services, both in two states, Illinois and Iowa. And we are going to talk today about an old Ghanaian proverb, the ruin of a nation begins in the home of its people. Joe, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good to be with you. It's great to have you. I was lucky enough to meet you uh, several times in person and your background is really interesting. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit how you got into being the president of an alcohol and drug services? Well, I actually moved to Iowa. When I moved here, this was my 28th state that I've lived in. And I moved here in 86. And I was a teacher. And uh, there weren't many teaching jobs. So um, the Center for Alcohol and Drug Services had a job. And I went into that and thinking I'd eventually go back into teaching and I then went on to get my master's and my doctorate, and I decided to remain working and helping people to offer hope. Mm-hmm. And so you've always been teaching, and you've always been interested in youth, if I get it correct. Yes. 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 Okay, I'm going to read to you a little bit about this Ghanaian proverb that you gave to me. The ruin of a nation begins in the home of its people. The culture that our children are currently learning from is bombarding them with inappropriate interactions and behavior. Witty and demeaning comes back are the punchlines of most popular comedy, sitcoms, and drama. The lack of parental supervision and discussion directly impacts the community. Our culture currently glorifies this behavior in reality television. This impacts the tone of our culture in our homes, our schools, and our workplaces. Now, the reason I wanted to read this is because when people listen to the My Radio Show, it talks about human kindness, and it talks about, I kind of say in the introduction, where I find that we are a world of consumption, where we're too busy to pay attention to the biggest gift of all, which is children in our lives. I agree. What is your take on that, and why are you so uh, passionate about this proverb? Well, I think that I agree with what you're saying, and I, when I first met you and you started talking about that we've forgotten how to be kind, I really believe that's a true statement. And it was so simple, but yet it was so powerfully stated when you said it. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's exactly right. 
we are so interested in coming back with quick lines and, you know, the reality TV is showing people and everything is all about consumerism, all about what I have and not what I, how I offer some, something in your life and you offer something in my life. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm very passionate about that because I think that that is very sad because when I was a child, I felt the people in my life, I could tell you what they offered to me, whether it be my family or friends or my parents' friends, I knew what they, what value there was and what they offered to me. And I think we've lost some of that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always seems to be a game. What can you do for me? It's right. never really, and I think uh, JFK said this the best, what can we do for our country? It seems right. that all that part is totally gone. But what I find the most sad, and when I read it in your proverb, is the part where you feel the most safe should be the home and school. Right. And today, I mean, I cannot put the TV on with it without hearing about another shooting, without hearing about another bully suicide, without hearing all these things where we as a nation are not standing behind these young people to give them the behavior patterns that they could copy and where we could give them the values. You work with children every day. Do you feel that if we had more organizations like yours, we could actually keep these kids off the street and in a safe environment if the home doesn't give it? I do. I think I think that I think most people want to give the best to their children. I have not ever met a parent that said, I don't want what's best for my child. Sometimes they don't know how. Sometimes they're overwhelmed because of their own life circumstances. And so I think any type of program, I don't, you know, whether it be us or, you know, there's, there's many, uh, there's just a myriad of programs in our community that if we all work together, it, it would just really help with the problem because I think that so many times kids don't, there's not a connecting of the dots dots until they fall through those cracks. And so some of the bullying happens in everyone. It's all of our responsibility to say, hey, what's going on here? Why are you doing that? Why are you behaving this way? Don't do that or, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, I think that's just critical anymore. But I always feel that in, in the society that we live in today, we want these kids to perform. We seem to be more interested what they make in grades, in math or in science then we are interested in finding out what they feel and think. That's very true, and I think that also goes right into the sports. It's, it's all Everything's performance-based, and we even hear it. It's called performance-based education. And it's never, you know, when are we going to stop and say, okay, where are you at? Tell me how, you know, when we're constantly speaking to kids, it's like I, I love Charlie Brown cartoons because when Charlie yeah. Brown's teacher talks, Charlie Brown's teacher says, wah, 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 wah. That's what kids hear. They hear, they don't hear really what we're saying, and we don't hear what they're saying. We need to stop talking and hear what they're saying, because then we're going to know where they're at. They'll tell us if we listen. But do you do you know that for me, listening to you, that you're one of the rare teachers that say this? I, I do not know a teacher, an educator, that actually says, I should listen to the children. Well, I learned that. A lot of what I did with the when I was working with clients in our, our facilities, because it was like, I already knew what my, I know what my staff know. I know what what I know. Those kind of things, but I don't know what they know. And so, if I'm always talking or preaching at them or lecturing them, I don't hear what they may need. So I need to hear. I need to stop talking so I hear them. Yeah. Because then I know I, where they're at. 
But isn't it hard in the beginning because children don't even realize that you want to know? So how do you get that communication going? Well, I was, I, one child taught, I, I had a child that taught me that very early on. I was working with an adolescent once, and he said, you have no clue how to help somebody like me. And I looked at him, and I said, you're right, I don't. So I said, you know what? Your job is to teach me. He wrote a book. I still have it. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he wrote a book, and he said, I'll teach you how to teach. Not only work with kids like me, but other, myself, but with other kids like me. And I thought, you know, he was very smart when he said that. I thought, that's, I need to hear what he said. That was great. But, but how do we, just back, back for a second for the safety, how do we, when parents are incapable, and I really like the word incapable because we want the best, but we're sometimes incapable of giving that strong home foundation that they need. You know, parents are working two or three jobs. They're not always there. There are no home-cooked meals anymore together. So when that lacks, where does, for you, where does, for you, the educators need to jump in and and offer that within the school environment? I think it's to offer it in the the classroom here with the kids because kids will tell you where they're at. Just in normal conversation, they'll let you know what's going on in their world, even though they don't always know that they're telling you that. But also, how do we engage the parents? Because we want them to feel empowered on how they're going to help their children. And not, I, I, I mean, I have two girls myself. There are times that I don't always know what to do, the right thing is to do. And thank goodness I have a wife who says, no, what you need to do is do this. Be quiet and hear this. Or let, let her tell you that. And, and all of us can learn that. It's, it's, the, the thing is, is that we all need to learn how to get along. And when you said that when we met and you said the, the whole issue on kindness, I just thought to myself, that is so simple but so powerful because I really believe that's it. The kindness of, you know, how, how kind is it to sit and listen to somebody's story? Let them tell you what's going on in their world. Let them tell you their own history in their own way. Now, I can, I can guess at what I think it is, but I also have to stop and let them tell me so that I'm not misinterpreting. Like I said, I moved here, I lived in 28 states, and the people in Boston, when I lived in Boston, they don't think like the people in Dallas, and the people in Dallas don't think like the people in California. So there's a, you have to, you have to stop and make sure that your perceptions are accurate. But we almost need a standard. I always take the yeah. example of the FDA. They're so strict in in uh, creating food or drug administration, right? If yeah. we had a standard to go by, the educators and the parents, because um, there is a saying in Holland, uh, the Netherlands where I come from, where a parent is kind of like, and I'm saying this really politely, uh, <laughs> Is, is sort of like a blind person and you go along with the punches and the rolls as you're learning to be a parent too. So yeah. where do we get to get the parents involved and to get the educators involved without doing the blame game? I think that, um, I think that's a very good point because it, it, a lot of times when you start to get folks together and you start having to with them, it always tends to polarize sometimes because it's either mm-hmm. I'm on one side or I'm on the other. And really, you know, this where, where is our commonness? Where is our commonness as far as being human beings? And how do we want the world to be? And I, I don't know many people that I've met who don't want it to be a better place for everyone around them, including children. And yeah. children, we're role models. So no matter what we're doing, we're role modeling to those kids. 
And so even when I want to, you know, when a friend says something to me or a colleague says something to me and I want to get that sharp little answer back, I'm teaching a younger person who's watching that, observing that. And so that's the same thing I think happens when we get, try to get the parents involved. I think they, we have to be careful not to, hey, you're bad, you didn't do it right. It's a tough job. You're exactly right. And sometimes, like I'm saying earlier, I'm actually learning it as I go along. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm mean, I'm very spiritual background, and and for me, I just say thank God that because there's many many times I really mess it up and go and thank my goodness my girls are like, uh, yeah, okay, Dad, okay, we still love you. <laughs> but but to pick up the ball of human kindness as teachers and parents, we first yeah. of all need to take the time, I think. But we You're need right. to do the hardest thing of all, which is live by example. Yes. And living yep. by example, and I'm going to give you the example that, that I've seen in many households, including my own. Uh, my parents come home tired. Uh, they will be in a traffic jam. And uh, before you know it, they will have said either a racial slur or whatever slur. And I have heard this. Because I'm there in the home and I have big ears, right? Children have really good antennas. And so when I hear this in the home and when I see the frustration of my own parents, because I think kids really do know that and feel that, then I take that frustration back with me into school and I believe it is okay that the first person that I meet that day that is a little bit sharp to me, I will give a re an answer, a response that is totally inappropriate. Right. Because I've seen it. I've heard it. Right. And there's absolutely nothing that you can explain to this child because it actually just does what the parents do. Right. But I think the other thing that you're saying there that is important as well is we're all going to make mistakes because we're all human. So when I do that and I do my inventory at the end of the day, I take my moral inventory and say, Okay, how did the day go? How are my interactions? Because I do that, mm-hmm. then I have to go back. Then I have to go back to my girls and say, or my children, or the children, the outreach kids that I work with, and say, you know, yesterday when I did this, I was wrong when I reacted this way, just because mm-hmm. I'm tired, just because of whatever's going on, or I'm frustrated, or traffic jam, whatever. Those things are there, and they're going to be there for you. But I still, it doesn't isn't allowing me, and that's not an excuse for me to say it was okay for me to behave the way I did. It wasn't. And they need to hear that because they need to know you're going to make mistakes, but you got to go back and make it right. And and yes. it goes back to your you got to go back and talk and have time, spend time where you're willing to say, "I blew that, and here's how I blew it, and I want to teach you something different." But how so hard the, is it for a parent to actually do that? I think it's probably hard for a lot of parents. I do it on a regular basis because I'm you know I, I mess up quite a bit so I'm okay with that I, I say to them I want my girls to feel okay I want them to know you're not going to be perfect and because perfect is where you know that's what a lot of people are trying to be and you and I both know Gloria or, or Gabrielle excuse me you and I both know that we have a um, we, when you spend any amount of time with someone we all have our own issues just spend five minutes you know what they are you know what the people are trying to hide and they know what, you know mine you know yours and you know each other's and that kind of stuff so why don't we just be real and be human be real with who we are and when you make a mistake you come back and you say hey i blew that and sometimes my kids will do it they'll come back and say you know when you did that blah 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 and they even did it when they were younger they'd say hey you know dad you should be wearing your seatbelt you're absolutely correct let me pull over and do that yeah so I, no, I think it's okay for them to know that they're educators to us as well. 
but being real, you just hit on that word that I love. Being real, I think, is hard to do when we're bombarded with media and television where nothing is real. You're exactly right. And we call it a reality show, but you and I know, uh, I always laugh, they have the housewives of Vancouver now. And when <laughs> I see those housewives, I didn't know that you looked that way when you're a housewife. I mean, <laughs> they're basically dripping with diamonds and jewelry, and yeah. they look picture perfect to me. Right. And I know that, again, you talked about perfection. No parent looks picture perfect, although children do look up to parents until we fall off the pedestal, right, at a certain right. age. Right. We kind of fall off it because they grow up and they have opinions which don't always jive with the parents, and that's where we start the the back and forth, you're right, I'm right. You're exactly right. Hold yeah. that thought, Joe. We're going to go into a commercial, and we'll be right back. Okay. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv we all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A V A N R I J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone. And if you just tuned in, we are with guest Joe Cowley, president of the Center for Alcohol and Drug Services in Illinois and Iowa. We were just talking about the parents there, um, Joe, and it's how can a parent, from your own experience, learn to become human and vulnerable in front of our children? I think one of the things is you have to go back to when you were real and you didn't have to be, you weren't performing. Because as we're talking about the performance-based education for children and all this, everybody's trying to perform for something, whether it be their boss, their jobs. 
we want people to be real. We want people to be authentic. If we want our children to be that way, we have to show them role models. And right now you have all these reality TV shows, which they're calling them reality TV shows, and we all know they're not because people don't really live like that. Or, or I, let's put it this way, the majority of us do not live like that. And so it's not a reality. It's, and there's sometimes my, when my daughter will be watching something and I walk in the room, I say to her, what are you watching? And we start, it gives a, it's a jumping board for us to talk about why, why, do, why is that appealing to you? Why is that something that's interesting to you? Because they're really putting everyone down. They're putting their friends down. They're talking behind each other's back. They're bullying each other. Why is that appealing to you? Well, you know, everybody wants to have the quickest lines. It's just come back to that kind of And I said, I wanted you to be who you are because you're funny, you're witty, and I want to be who I am. And some people are going to accept that and some people aren't going to accept that. But I think that sometimes you have to go back and see to your core of who are you? Who do I want to be? Who do I want the world to see and and to understand who what's of value to me? And I do that by what I put my attention to. If it's to the million-dollar homes, to the jewelry, to that, which is being promoted on all his reality shows, or is it really to relationships, making sure that people are kind to each other? And that's that movie that was on not too long ago that had the pay, pay it forward. What a beautiful concept. If, if everyone did that on a daily basis of just trying to pay something forward, the world would be so much better. And that's why when you started, when I first met you, Gabrielle, you start talking, I'm thinking, my God, this woman's brilliant, because that is just exactly what, it's simple, but it's what we need. But I always feel that the reason that I personally can do that is because I'm coming out of the principle, if you have nothingness, meaning no material goods, no nothing, nobody can take anything from you. So all you have is the gift of giving. Right. I, I really come from that standpoint. I don't know when I decided that, but very, very early in life. And I thought that the only thing you had to give with your personality, and like you say, your your quirks, you know, funny humor that nobody laughs at, <laughs> but right. that's what you have. And like you said, people either like it or they don't like it. And I, even I had a hard time instilling in my daughter that it's okay not to like everyone because she was of the opinion that she should like everyone at school. And that is not so. I don't like everyone, but that doesn't mean that I have to be unkind to them. Exactly. That's the point right there. I can be kind to a bully. I can be kind to a victim because by the kindness I bestow on them, their energy will shift totally. I agree. I agree 100%. But then I have one real big one that I talk about in my book, and I as a parent fail on this too. Where do the, we have expectations, even if I think I don't have one in a relationship, I do. Somewhere I have a little expectation of how I would like to be treated in an adult relationship, right? right? So if I have that in the back of my head, and my parents, for me, in my case, I always thought they had a specific expectation of what they would have liked me to be. Don't the children have the same? A child thinks, because my daughter said, you're not supposed to be human. You're supposed to be superhuman. <laughs> you're like Wonder Woman. You're supposed to be able to do everything, Mom. And she said that when she was six. And I really wondered where she got that from. And we discussed this. 
So she had certain expectations of me being the mom that worked, but baking cookies at the same time. And you can imagine that you can't do it all. Right. You can work, but you ruin the cookies. <laughs> right. So. And I, and I, I think part of it. We deal with these expectations of each other. I think part of that is, is that when you, it's just as part of honest communication and conversation with each other to find out what those expectations are. Because a lot of times the kids are getting the message that if I do this, this is how I'm going to get the good stuff. So if I perform, I get the grades, then I get the good stuff, meaning the love and the, and the kindness that my, you know, my parents show me that I'm of value. And I think they should be getting that no matter what they're giving you, they should be getting, because they're a human being. They should be getting the message from you. And we teach, I really firmly believe this, we teach people how to treat us. So when, I, when I'm allowing you to mistreat me, I'm saying that's okay if I don't come back and say, you know, Gabrielle, I'm, what, when this happened, I didn't particularly care for that. Or you coming back and saying, hey, Joe, when you did this, I didn't particularly care for that. I want to know that. I, I, it may be hard for you to say and it may be hard for me to hear, but I want to know that because I value our relationship, so I don't want it ruined. And if I don't hear that and I keep doing it, I'm going to ruin it. I think we have to do that with our children because our children teach the people in their lives what's okay and what's not okay. But where does the pressure come in for the parents? Because you just uh, touched on something that I think is really important, is if they perform, don't we give them something? We give them gifts. Yeah. The gifts, I, I'm going to say gifts equal gadgets, which is not totally fair. But in the technology world that we live in, it's often a gadget that we give a child. We'll, we'll give them a gift card with iTunes that they can download or, do you see what I mean? And the gift, right, so that's, just that's something, that's something they them. value. They don't think yeah. that that's a gift. Right. They, but that's something they value. So we think, okay, we're going to give you this instead of, you know what? Let me sit down and just have, let's talk about this and let's sit down and spend some time. So I love it because my daughter just started at her job and she comes in each night and I'm exhausted, but she will go through what the customers, because she's a cashier at one of our local grocery stores. So she'll yeah. come in and she'll say what, the, what they said to her. And I'm thinking in my brain, my brain's thinking, I'm tired. I really don't want to hear every bit of this story. I, I just want to know what time it is, not how the clock was made. But I shut up and I let her tell me every bit of that because it's important to her and I want her to know I'm valuing her, what she's saying. What she's and it's not just important for her. She is learning the base of communication for her future relationships. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm teaching her how you're going to treat other people. You're exactly right. Because otherwise it festers. What if she had a really bad experience? I think we do yep. it to kids too. When, when I, as a parent, came home, I would say, how was your day at school? And my... I wouldn't even have time to breathe, and I would already say, how was your test? Mm-hmm. I didn't really yeah. give that span in between that she could actually say it was a good day or a bad day. Right. So my child would end up only retaining the last part of, of the question, of course, which is, okay, my test was an A or a B. Mm-hmm. And then you get, oh, that's fantastic, or I can do better, or whatever your reaction is, right, towards the child. Right. And I think some of that comes because that's what parents are in their own workplaces are getting because most, most of work is outcome-based, what you produce based versus, you know, and I think that's important. I'm not saying that it isn't. I think quality and all of that's extremely important, but also where's the kindness in that piece of it? Because how are they being treated? 
how are they being treated, and then how are they, how is that translating, and then how they're parenting. Because you, when you touched on that earlier, I think that's a really key point. Point that they, how they, what the, what they do, and how they, their interactions then translate into how they parent, and yeah. that's a key piece. Absolutely, but again, you said if you're tired at night and you just want to veg out in front of the TV which you and I already know that 99% of what is shown on there is not even worth it. It's actually more fun to interact with your kids, your spouse, or your partner. Right. But it takes effort, and it takes, you know, you almost need to do it, and then later you say, oh, gosh, I'm not tired at all, because the interaction makes you non-tired, whereas... It it revitalizes you. Yeah, and I think if we watch TV, it becomes even more tiring. But one of the things that I found very um, new in living in North America is the drama part. Now, I didn't notice the drama very much 20 years ago, but it must have been there always. This this insatiable uh, wanting of knowing the drama of others. And I feel our children have that too. When something happens at school, they have the power to walk away. They really do. But they make something really interested because that girl has the wrong jeans on or that boy, have you heard, right? And then the drama becomes gossip. Uh, After all that, it actually often turns into bullying too because that child is ridiculized at school. Yeah. So how how would we teach our children not to like drama when it's everywhere around us, that noise, that intense noise of others? How can we ban it out? I think it goes back to what you said earlier and what we were talking about earlier, where we role model to them. And so if we, everything is very high drama in our lives, children are going to think that, that, you know, it's almost like some of the people that I work with, it's from crisis to crisis to crisis, instead of, I don't want to live like this. I don't have to live on that high level all the time. Plus the fact, I don't think that it really tells you who those people are. Because when people are in crisis, why are we sitting there and dissecting all that instead of saying, how can I help you? How, is there something I could do to make it better? Because if I'm in crisis, I don't want somebody judging. I want someone saying, how can I help it to be better for you? Yeah, and, and, and they can, and they, yeah. But why don't we choose that? Um, I, I think find part of that's so intriguing because it's I a choice. Right, I think part of that is because of what people learn, and so they've learned that, so it's passed from generation to generation. And I think sometimes you have to say, wait a minute, we have, we're going to make a conscious decision. We're not going to focus on this anymore. Yes, we're not going to say that if the crisis comes up, that it's not important. We're going to evaluate what needs to happen. And we're going to find people help. But to sit there and talk about them, to put them down, what is the point of that? What it, Really, truly, what is the point of that? Because it doesn't help anybody. And if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel better, then you start questioning, going, why does my focusing on your misery make me feel better? Mm-hmm. That says something about me. <laughs> yeah, it says definitely something about you. Uh, about the person who thinks that way. We're going into a break, and we'll be right back, Joe. Stay tuned, everyone. Okay. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with our guest, Joe Cowley. Joe. Um, I'd love to continue this interesting conversation. It's near and dear to my heart. When you are in a school situation, and I know that you as a teacher have seen this many, many times, um, I see a bully and a victim. I see always the bully being put down, victim being glorified after the fact. But I would like children and especially educators to know that if the bystander became an active witness, and what I mean by active is exactly that, that they step in. Now, most people are fearful, and they don't dare to step in. But when you got a whole group, and I call it a little bit like a gang, standing around a victim, what they don't seem to understand is that one of them, just by one walking out of the group and saying, this is ridiculous, and just walking... I bet you anything that if we play role this, most of the people would actually walk away because either you respect someone in that group that's walking away or you suddenly realize that you're only listening to drama and people being put down and you could be next. Right. So the power right. is really in the active witness taking that stand, taking that value and saying, this is not okay, I'm out of here. I agree. I think it was interesting. I was in the uh, school when I was working in the schools. We do a lot in the schools, and, and I don't anymore. But when I was doing that, it was very mm-hmm. interesting. I was I was in the schools with high school, and um, there was a young man, and he was berating what I assumed, who I who assumed was his girlfriend. He was just berating her just terribly. And I was a guest in the school, but there were teachers, there were students, people standing around watching what this young man was doing. And I couldn't stand it any longer. And I, I, at that time, I wouldn't know, you know, I wouldn't say, well, I was going to do this. I just, it, it was instinctive to me. I walked over to him and I said, I don't know 
whether she finds what you're doing is offensive, but I do. I do not want to be sitting here watching what you're doing and how you're treating her. And the young lady looked at me as if to say, she didn't say anything, but her, her look on her face was like, oh, I, I just say that for myself. And then I walked away. And then she walked away. And I thought that was, you know, was very interesting because that was part of how I was raised. You know, my parents raised me that when you see someone like something like that happening, and maybe it's as legit, maybe you have a right to be upset with somebody for something, but to berate them and be terrorizing them in a hallway where everybody's watching this and nobody, I mean, there was no teacher, no, nobody was interacting, it was going to intervene, and I thought, I'm not just going to sit there and watch that because I'm not comfortable with it. It just made me very uncomfortable for her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, and I think you're right. We have to come to the point where we say, and I, ta- I hopefully have taught my own children that way, um, is to, you need to intervene. And there may be a just reason that someone's upset, but it's never just to be unkind. It's never just to then, okay, I, I cannot put you down because you upset me. And, you know, get all in the drama, and then you get you, this group of people now are all upset with this group of people, and just get, get, continues to build. It makes our world so uncomfortable, and it makes the, your own world so uncomfortable. And I think you have to say, wait a minute, enough. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're right. When people, even when they're watching the reality shows, they think that's what it's supposed to be. Our relationships are supposed to be these high drama, and they're not. They're not supposed to be that way at all. They're not, but if if you and I went tomorrow to the local news station together, and we right. had something beautiful, uh, a child. Let's let's take a nice example: a child that did something like pay it forward, and we were really impressed by that, and we would want to bring that to awareness. I can guarantee you, Joel, that nine out of ten news stations would not be interested. Because the drama is what keeps people watching the news. Right, it's what sells. And, and they'd rather put that story on than the human kindness story. And what I'm trying to get at is that the children have these tools, the technology tools in their hands, which is, to me, it's amazing because I, of course, didn't grow up with that. I'm too right. old to have grown up with computers. But think of the child that does not share a video or a post, how powerful it is to teach them not to do that. These videos wouldn't go viral. The videos would never make it to the news channel because they actually make it to the news channel because the children make it go viral. Right. And all these news people have an alert on everything that goes over a million views or something, and then it gets attention. No good message has a million views. Right, I think that's very, very sad. I think that I agree with you. I think that's sad, and I, and I don't always believe that technology has made things better. I think it can, and I think that it has the has the potential. But I think it's based on what we do and what we put into it, and then what comes out of that. And so, you know, that old saying "garbage in, garbage out." That's what we have to yeah. be looking at. Is that that's what I like proverb so much because your proverb right. talks about actually. I'm of the opinion that every human being has knowledge. Every single human being, I don't care their age. They all have a knowledge that I don't have. Because through their perception, they've learned it differently, or they've learned it maybe the same ABC, but they have another technique. And so every child, every human being can teach that knowledge. But we go to Google for the research. We don't go anymore to our parents to find out how to do something. No, we Google it. 
So we do get the information, but we don't get the the human interaction of how we got there to learn it this way. Right. You know, the old-fashioned remedy of cold is not found on Google. It's found through your grandparents and your parents. And we know, we know through the stuff that Nan Tolbert, the work that Nan Tolbert did out of New York City, um, Mm -hmm. her, her work was very brilliant because she said kids learn from other kids. And so our job is, is that we have to make sure that the core group of kids, the leaders, have the correct information so that when the information is passed on to the kids, it's not misinformation. And that's what I think really happens. It goes viral and it's all misinformation and it's very hurtful to people. So our job as, as adults in the community is to say, who are the core kids? Who are the ones that are the leaders in the group? And let's make sure that they have correct information so that when it gets passed on, it's passed on correctly. And, and uh, how they, how we want our society to be. But that's how your organization is almost, I mean, better than going to a regular school because me, for everything that you explained about your programs, I would almost say you'd rather be in a school like yours than a school with 30 to 35 classmates where basically you don't have that attention that you're getting with teachers that know that you have a difficult foundation. Sure. You, do you see what, it's, it's almost, it's almost crazy, but your, your programs that I've seen and I've studied a little bit on the internet, and I'll give you a chance to talk about that, is almost worth it for a child that has a little bit of learning a disability or a little bit of, you know, when you're just a little bit behind and you're lacking because your parents are never home, but you're not that child yet that needs the total special attention. Mm-hmm. Where do you fit in in that case? You're in a big school, in a high school, middle school, and you're totally left to your own devices. Well, and I think that, you know, some of the filter there is is that I think teachers are really trying the best they can. There's a yep. lot of pressure, and that's what we, why I think reevaluating some of the systems is important because we put so much pressure on teachers to, you know, the educate again performance based performance based, and we don't we take the human part of it out. There, I when I was a student and I was and I was a young child, there I can I can name teachers who impacted my life, and it was not always education. It was not always from a book. It was other education that I got, life education that I got. And so we have to allow them to go back to some of that because I do think that's a missing. I really believe that's missing. And so some of the programs that we do with kids is we do the life skills. We want kids to talk about where they're at, when they've been bullied. You know, some of them bullied coming from their school into our building where we have the outreach center. We want to talk about that because we want them to feel safe in their environment. What are those quarters that kids have to go through to get to school? Are they unsafe? Are they drug infested or whatever? Are there, is there violence? I want kids to not, to have, not to fear the world. And so how do we help them to do that? And I think that's the type that, that a lot of programs like ours, but a lot of other programs in our community are very, very focused on that. And as a community, we have come together and, and groups we meet on a regular basis and say, how can we all do this? Because one of us is not going to do this. One organization is not going to be able to do it. But when we connect the dots and many of us are doing it, we have a better safety net for kids. We do. We definitely do. But again, this takes money. Any yeah. teacher will tell you this takes money. This takes even more hours away from them that, you know, because they have to grade papers. Right. I mean, there's so much. I mean, I have 
true respect for teachers. I think it's I an amazing job. But again, the there needs to be a total harmony between the parents helping the educators. The whole system needs to kind of work together. Like one nation, one village. Otherwise, we cannot make um, strong adults out of these children. I agree. I agree. And they will always, always will choose the easy way out because that's what they see. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that you're saying, that I think is the key piece, is the fact that you know we when we're talking about when we give time to our children, we show them what we value. That's the same as the society when we. Do I go back and let my my children's teachers know what they did? My daughter came home and she was talking about something that she learned in school. I actually sent an email that night to that my daughter's teacher. I wanted him to know that she came home and talked about it, and I valued that he took the time to give her correct information. And yeah. that's one of the things that needs to happen. you know. And that's free. That doesn't cost anything. But a lot of times we don't we underpay our teachers. It's just, to me... You know, again, it goes back to the society. We're, we're going to put, where's our money? Is our money with, okay, they're million-dollar homes? Is that what we value, or do we value people? I think we value people. I still I agree. that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be so passionate about it. I agree. That's one of the, I think, one of the attractions I had you, because my wife and I both felt she values people, and that's one of the things that really attracted us, why we even started having a conversation when we first met. Yeah, I really yeah. believe it's still there. We just got to bring it back. We got to create a positive space for that to come back. Very good point, exactly. Because yeah. I, I believe we, I, I tell children every day, we have a choice. You, you, you know what I'm going to say, uh, Joe? Every time I speak to a group of children, I always start out with something that I haven't told you about. But what is the main commonality that kids have? And then they, 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 they say a lot of words and things. They say computers, laptops, iPhones, whatever. And I always say the same, and they're always amazed. I always say, it's fear. Unfortunately, we all have fear in common. That's why I never understand that nobody would want to protect the victim because we've all been there. Fear yeah. is a commonality that we have from the moment we start communicating. It could be with a parent. It could be with an educator, and it could be with another child in at the playground. But fear is something we all know what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Happiness is not always something that a child knows, depending on its background, its foundation, and many other elements, as you know. It's not, it's not as common as we think it is. So if fear is, is the base you have a chance to understand that the other one, even if he's aggressive, he or she, that it's only fear-based. And if we could teach that to every single child, the one that's snippy to you has either a bad day or fear. And it, I think, too, it's all right for a child to say, listen, I have a really bad day. I know you're my friend, but maybe I should just be alone today. But we don't sure. dare to say that. I have never yep. met a child that says that to another child. Yeah, I agree with you. Because I, I've told this to my daughter. You know, I, I have a crummy day. I don't feel very well. You know, this is going to be a really quiet day. And then the child knows. Yep. And I really feel it adapts to that. So one of the big things in human kindness, I think, is trying to make children feel okay. 
about the fear that they have. Because yep. the moment you're okay with it, I think you actually can let it go. And it, right, I agree with you. And it also allowing them to not only be okay with it, but to talk about it. And you, when you said that, it really clicked with me because the other day my daughter came out and she was really having a bad moment. She went in a room and then she came back about an hour later and she said, I just needed to be my, myself to think. And I thought, who are you? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought that was good that, that, that she did that for herself. And yeah. I don't know that she would do that with her peers because there's still a lot of comparing and that's part of the growing up. They're still doing a lot of comparing themselves to everybody else and I'm always the odd man out and what they don't realize is that's going to be their strength someday. The, the things that they're going to like about best about themselves are the things that, that do separate them out yeah. from other folks. But I find it sad that children need to almost be pestered and feel fearful and have things happen to them for them to find that might inside that you then use and you either become a preemptive yeah. bully or you become so strong that you have put a shield around you and nobody will hurt you, of course, when you do right. that. But I think your point is, I think your point is an excellent point because that, it, it can go to the other extreme. And so our job is to help them not allow that to happen because you can go from one extreme to the other, from one of the spectrums to the other. Because we all can. I think yeah. you're right. I have even in, in all the research and the public speaking I've done in the last year, I have found something really interesting on top of it. If we don't deal with victims, do you know that they often become a bully in the workplace? They they yeah. will work so hard to become what I call super perfect people in the workplace. And they will become so um, driven to have a position of power. And once they obtain that, they actually bully everyone that's under them. Very. I think that's very interesting. And in my research and the documentaries that have been out there, I and two other guys, we started searching for that. And the victim really, we need to solve the problems of all these young children now. Because often when you talk to a bully in the workforce, they break down within seconds of kindness. And they say, yeah, but I was treated as a child so bad. And you feel it. You You almost feel their pain because they have like... The emotions have never been dealt with. You're right. And so they feel so insecure, such low self-esteem, that in the workforce they have to have a powerful job. I personally couldn't care less when you are a president, but I couldn't care less if I was a president, a VP, a simple employee, as long as I did something that I was really happy doing. Right. But to be driven... I almost I feel so sad for that child inside of them, right? That has never learned to like themselves. And just be comfortable with themselves. Yeah. And I think yeah. it never goes away. This is why I'm just so hot on this topic. I really believe that we need to bring human kindness back and that vulnerability needs to find a safe place. Because we cannot be vulnerable with each other if we already know that that vulnerability is going to be abused, really. And, right, and or, you, or used against us. Yes. And yeah, I find right. that for girls, this is, teenage girls, this is even harder than, because if you say to a girlfriend, you know, I feel a little bit bad the way I look, 
it's kind of kept, right? And then they, they use that in an unkindly way later against you. I agree. And so, and one question that I have for you, do you know, because I sure don't, why are girls meaner to each other than boys are? What, what, what is that? I, you know, it's very interesting to watch when I've been dealing with, if the, the boys tend to get upset with each other and then they, it goes, it blows over whatever. With girls, it tends to really fester. And I don't understand what that is. I'm not sure. Um, what that dynamic is, but they, they can be extremely mean to each other and very judgmental to each other. And instead of recognizing and saying, okay, our differences could actually be something that would be of help, not my weaknesses and your strengths. You know, it's kind of like, you know, my spending is your salary. And, you know, if we take that concept from the business perspective and we look at, okay, my weakness is, is your strength, but when my strength is now your weakness, those kind of things, what, how much stronger could we be as a, as a community? Do you think it's want... inherent in, in the women that it's something that women have because we're competitive between women? We want the attention of men? And that it starts at a really early age that we see that? I don't know. I think that I think that it's learned behavior. I think that it's been something that's been promoted out there, and so there's always, you know, there's always you have to be this competition, 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 rather than it being, you know, just accepting who you are and allowing people to be who they are and enjoying that and being kind to me in that in that whole process. And you know, we all have our shortfalls. I mean, that's what I was alluding to earlier. You know, I remember when I was dealing with we were talking to some psychiatrists, and they were talking about, well, you know, their pathology. And I stopped them, and I said, well, don't we all have pathologies? I mean, come on. I mean, you spend five minutes with them. You know what there are. You know what they're trying to hide. What, what, what is value in that? Instead of just letting them be who they are, and we all, because we all have our weaknesses. Yeah. But for some reason, our society has put a value on, I not only find out what yours are, but then I exploit it. That is not healthy. I always say the same. Our uniqueness, what sets us apart from one another, the uniqueness is our biggest strength. If I we can get that message going, I mean, it's not because I have a funny accent or we're little or whatever. That uniqueness sets us apart and makes us the diversity that in the world that we live in. I agree. Because if we take all the color away, I always use the M&Ms, everyone finds life boring. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Including the children. Right, and I want and, and I want my life to be um, exciting, and based by that excitement, I mean by the people that are in it, what I can learn from them. So, like that's why I think first attracted my wife and I to you when we were met at that um, wedding reception. It was like you were just who you were, but yeah. your smile. You were. It was just. I mean, you walked in with your smile, and Bobby's smile was so engaging. I was like. We don't know these people, but they'd be good people to know. But, you know that's the kind of thing I, th I think that's just really important. And it's just very engaging. And you know, you all, when those are the kind of people you really want, I want my children to go, that's who I want to be around. I don't want to be someone around who's really mean to other people and uh, exploits other people. I don't want that yeah. for my kids because Absolutely. it's miserable. Joe, I want to give you a chance to tell the listeners a little bit more about your program and um, how children in need could actually contact your organization. Okay. 
We have um, we do have an expulsion program that we do with one of our local school districts, and then we also have outreach programs so the kids can come into the program, and um, they they can come there. It's free of charge. The families can come and pick our kids up after school, so no kid has to go home alone um, or be at home alone. We help with homework, those kinds of things at our outreach center over that's on uh, in Davenport, and then we also have. Um, programs that we do with the parents. We do work do a lot with families and women and children, and we have a diversity group. So we want people to celebrate their diversity. We want people to recognize that that's something that, that is a strength and not something that they should be put down for. And so we do that. We also do, um, uh, we have the full continuum, continuum of services for substance abuse in um, our community for the adults and for adolescents. We don't have residential for kids. But we have everything else. And um, I think the most important thing is that they want to go on our website, which is www.cads-ia.com. They, they would be able to see our website and then tell a lot about the program and that we do. That's terrific. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on this show. And I think we should have you back one day very soon I because I, I think there's a part two to this conversation. I agree. I just want to tell you I really value what you do, and I value you, and I just appreciate the opportunity you've given me. Yeah, I enjoy just having you. And like I said, you know, when people are doing such good work, like your organization and yourself and your wife, I think it's amazing to have a teacher like you. Uh, like I said, I'd love to go back to your organization and just be a kid in the classroom. I think I could learn a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, see you soon. Uh, everyone, uh, the My Show is closed for today, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Joe. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week, and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.